said, the Lord helps today. I'd like to challenge us about when it's all said and done. About making your life count. Count for the right thing. Count for something. So uh, think with me later this afternoon in the, in the city of Denver. The Chiefs will be visiting the stadium and playing. And just imagine Travis Kelsey catching a pass and heading to the end zone. And as he crosses into the end zone, everybody breaks out in immediate applause except those seated at the stadium in Denver. But all across Kansas City and then come to find out it's waved off because he stepped out of bounds. So much could be said, and hopefully I will say enough at least that you'll catch the thought that as the songwriter expressed and as the scripture declares that the only thing that really matters in this life and that counts for eternity is what you do for Jesus Christ. No accumulation of wealth, of status, or fame, of treasures in the end run and the end results will amount to anything at all. As a pastor, I've, I've visited in, in, um, you know, in many nursing homes. And uh, you, you can uh, go online and Google the same kind of things. I, 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 have, um, I don't know that I would use the word amaze, but I have sat in the rooms of, uh, of an aged lady... Uh, in a nursing home, her body's decrepit, and over on the the nightstand was a picture of her when she was 20. And thinking, what a beautiful lady that she was. But if if your goal in life is um, is beauty, in that sense, if everything about you is your image, and your whole worth is tied up in that. Then the news I have for you today is that if we live long enough, all of us will come to that stage in life where the Lord, where the world no longer calls us beautiful. And of course, we know that real beauty does not rest in that. But unfortunately, we also know that a lot of people that their life is wrapped up in that element of life. Uh, I have I have seen a number of people's fortunes that have been used up in in the cost of what it. what it amounts to to be in a nursing home. Their whole life's earning that they worked all their life for. And then as they near the end of their life. Everything they earn is burned up in what it takes to take care of their final resting place. I've seen uh, men that can barely move. Uh, not only in walkers but in wheelchairs. And in, in the prime of their life they were first class world athletes. And again, that's the course of all of our life. And so again today, I'm asking that you would just give serious thought to what the Scripture is challenging us, that only what you're doing for Jesus Christ in this life really amounts to anything. So make it count. Spend all of your days as we were, and I can't seem to move off the idea of stewardship today, but one of the areas that sometimes we overlook about stewardship is our time. We will give a record in, in the presence of the Lord about how we used our life. And again, only what you're doing in your life today for Jesus Christ and for his kingdom is what lasts for eternity. In, in, the, in the book of, of, of 1 Peter, there's a, there's a passage of scripture that uh, I, I don't know if we can get that up on, on the board here. Uh, on the screen, First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. 
And uh, there's another scripture that uh, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11, if you just throw that one up, we talked a little bit about this Wednesday, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Now, the background of this passage of scripture is that the apostle Peter said the world's going to be destroyed and everything in it. And so he says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? So what the scripture is testifying to is that everything in this life is going to burn up. And so if, if the summation of your life is in buildings, enjoy it now because there's coming a day the buildings won't be around. If the summation of your life is, a, is a acquiring gold and silver, there's coming an end to that where it won't amount to anything. If the summation of all of your life is in these things right here, the scripture testifies you, you, have, you have made bad investments and bad choices. Uh, I, I think that most of you are familiar with what happens with wildfires. While, while wildfires are not uh, really a problem in this area, you recently saw on the news about the wildfires in Hawaii. Uh, it's kind of become a part of standard operating procedure for California to have a wildfire every now and then. Uh, in, in a wildfire, if you're in the area of, of, of immediate danger and you, you are given an evacuation order, often you have less than 24 hours to pack up everything that you consider valuable and load it into your car and get out. You don't have time to bring in a moving truck and prepare a great big move. And so when, when fire, when, when the world, when your world is on fire, you, you have a very small window to look at what you consider is valuable and what's worth saving. And there are some critical choices that you make in that brief moment because uh, you understand that very shortly everything else is going to burn up. And I think, again, that's what the Apostle Peter was saying in, in a much more uh, uh, spiritual way that you've got you to gotta get a better focus here. You've got to get your eyes more upon your creator and your master and your Lord because everything around you, there's coming a day that it's coming to an end. So realign yourself and see the power of Jesus Christ and his aim and his intentions in your life and get your focus there. But here's the reality, though, that while we may not ever go through a wildfire, all of our lives, as the apostle Peter says comes to those moments when it feels like everything is on fire. He's, and he says, in fact, you should not think this odd that there are times when your world is up in flames and that you, you go through a divorce, you, you lose your job, you, you get a diagnosis of cancer, your, your child dies. Those things are part of this fallen world and this fallen nature. And when that happens, your world literally feels like it's up in flames. And if all of your hope is in this world, then your world has gone up in flames. But I love the old song we would sing from the hymnal. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. So I'm challenging you today that you would feel the power of the Word of God. You would sense the moving of the Spirit of the Lord. That in your life, it's time to align your priorities with the only thing that really matters. And that's faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ. You can look to Him. 
When, when fire happens in your life, I think, again, using the illustration about wildfire and a, and a fire destroying in your home and you've loaded what little precious things that you could in your car, you had to make some real powerful choices about what you count is valuable. When, uh, if, uh, think with me for a moment this morning. If you were given a sentence from your doctor that you have 24 hours to live, uh, I, I cannot imagine that you would be so foolish as to reach for your makeup kit and say, I'm going to leave this world looking good. I don't think that's where your priorities would be. I, I don't think that you would say, I better get to work. I've only got one more day I get to work on my job. Your, your priorities would immediately align with the reality of your world that your world must be based on more than our days in this life. So I'm thinking if, if that's the, our end of life decisions, surely they should be our decisions right now. If we're all aware that when our life is wrapping up, our focus is not going to be on our bank account. It's not going to be on the clothes that we're wearing. It's not going to be on anything but those things that have eternal value. And what I'm saying is that why not make that shift right now and really make life worth living? That you lay up treasure in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break through. But you do it for the glory of God and life has value and purpose and meaning here and now and absolutely in the life to come. So you make the choices. You, you get to make the choices of what you count as valuable in your life. When your world is up in flames, you're the one that makes the decisions. Is this what's important to me or is that what's important to me? And I'm saying that our relationship with Jesus Christ ought to be the driving force and factor of our life. Another thing, when, when the fire is about ready to consume your belongings, not only do you make the choices of what's valuable, but you also make the choices of what you're going to discard or leave behind. And I, I'm, I'm saying the same thing, that rather than wait till that all happens, you'd be so much better off if you began to make those priority alignment decisions right now. Really what's valuable, the things that consume your time, that you spend all of your life with, and if you've lived the, the kind of years that many of us in this congregation have, then, then you've witnessed so many at the end of their days with deep regret, I wish I'd made those decisions earlier. So why not do it today? Why not do it right now today while we have felt the presence of the Lord, the Word of God has confirmed that, and we feel the moving of His Spirit? Why not begin to make that dramatic shift today and say, I will follow the Lord. He is supreme in my life. I am making my stand. I am standing in the power and the presence and the hope and the decision of the Lord. I think that we could glean much from someone that's been through a fire about what kind of decisions you should make. Uh, from Daniel chapter 3, uh, I'll just refer to this. You can read this when you get home. If you've ever been in church before, you no doubt have heard about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three men that were thrown into the fiery furnace. I, I think, as I said, that, it, it, that there are some lessons that you can learn from their experience that you could apply about in your life when you're going through the fire. Uh, now, this is not the scripture in Daniel, but I love what the Bible testifies about. That when you're going through the fire, it won't burn you. That I'm going to bring you through. In this fire, I think that in the life of these three, human, three Hebrew men, one point that I would like to make is that they discovered God uniquely while they were in this fire. 
If you know anything about the history of this passage, they were in captivity. Uh, They had been transported from their homeland. And so for them, what would represent God in their life was all gone. That part, uh, the myth for them about God only being there. For example, there was no temple in, in in the furnace. Uh, there, there wasn't a temple to Jehovah in Babylon. So uh, the element of their faith that, that resorted to that, the temple is where God is, that whole dynamic about what it meant to call on God and see God was changed. There was not a temple. And so uh, that's what I'm saying is that in the fire, they discovered something unique about God. Uh, in, in the fiery furnace, there wasn't a priest, or actually there was a priest with them, their high priest, but there wasn't the priest that was in the temple that, that took care of their sacrifices. There was no longer sacrificial system in place in the fiery furnace, but the high priest was with them. In, in, the, in, the, in the furnace of the fire, uh, again, there, there, there wasn't the books of the law. There wasn't anything that they could resort to that where they could find an answer other than in the fire, the presence of God was made manifest. So what I'm preaching today, what I'm sharing with you is that it's sometimes in in these fiery furnace trials of your life that the apostle Peter says you shouldn't be surprised when they happen because it happens to all of us that sometimes in the midst of the world seemingly falling apart around us that we uniquely discover how we are loved by God. That when we go through calamity and crisis, as long as our hope is not built on those things that have fallen, if our hope is built on the one that rescued and redeemed us, we discover something great about our God, that he is indeed always present. And, you know, it doesn't matter how often that we assemble together in church. Uh, Undoubtedly, there's always someone that's going through crisis, that's going through something that they would say to the effect, Preacher, but you you don't know what I'm going through. Pastor, you don't know what I'm facing. And that's the truth. I don't. But I have discovered all of my life that God shows up in my fires. I have discovered that nothing ever happens or comes my way. But God is not always present, always there. And I know from the scripture and, and from experience that he doesn't love Gary any more than he does Brother Couch, I just can't call you by your first name here in church. <laughs> he, he loves us the same, and he is consistent. He has a track record. Uh, he has precedent. He will show up for you as long again as your hope is built on him. So today, again, I'm asking you to consider shifting your priorities Shifting where your trust is, moving all of your hope in the one whose name is Jesus Christ. In the fire of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their enemy or their problems were burned up. You know, um, oftentimes what, what I think is something really, really important. And man, when it happens, I'm just devastated and crushed. And when that begins to take place and that's gone away... I realized that really wasn't near as significant as I thought it was. That it's not near as important as what I do for Jesus Christ. That while I'm telling you now, I, don't, I wouldn't want to get a call tomorrow from Bishop Sutton that I've lost my job. But hey, if I did, maybe y'all would consider me as a permanent pastor. So <laughs> no one would like that kind of news. And um, while, while we understand that any kind of news about our health is devastating... It's not the worst thing that could happen. 
in, in fact, I, I kind of go back to how practical I am. That the best thing that happens to all of us is that there's coming a day that we get to leave this world. And however that happens and whenever that happens, that's a day of good news, not bad news for the believer. So today again, reshift and realign your focus and your heart and trust in the Lord. In the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found freedom. You, you remember the story. It was in the fire that they were walking about and they were loose. Their, their bounds, what, what bound them, uh, their bindings would have never been loosed had they not been in the fire. It was the fire that set them free. And I'm challenging you again today that I believe that those things that happen in our life set us free to really trust the one thing that's most important and not lose focus. There's, there's a, a, a beautiful passage in 1 John chapter 2, and I'm not sure if I gave this to you. In, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, we're, we're reminded about what this world is like. And uh, if you, can you pull that up real quick? I, I can, if I, there, okay, so verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The next verse, please. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So this is what I've been sharing with us today. Uh, the, the categories of sin are categorized in three things. The things that your flesh wants, the things that your eyes want, and, and the, uh, the, the pride of life. Uh, and so all of these things, again, if you consume all of your energies and all of your time taking care of those things, you miss the important thing. The one thing that really counts that lasts forever, and that is doing the will of the Father. So this morning, while I'm preaching to you, maybe the reality is, is that your world really is indeed on fire. And the, the blazes you feel are about to take you under. Something, uh, when I, I've not ever been in a fire, but uh, when, when a fire happens, there's some things that everyone knows, uh, it's just a part of science, that a fire consumes oxygen. And so if you're in a fire, you struggle for your breath. Smoke inhalation uh, certainly kills people, uh, usually much more than fire does. They're dead long before the fire ever comes. And, and so the fires of your life, sometimes it can feel like it's sucking the very breath out of you. And, and, and I don't know how I go from here. Uh, how, how, do I, how do I find a way to trust God? How do I do what you're saying today, preacher, when it feels like everything is gone for me? I have nothing, no hope. I, I wanted to, uh, as, we, as we get ready to pray in just a few moments, I, I wanted to share with you about the breath of God. Rather than trying to take your breath, why not consider taking on the breath of God? Take, take His breath in you today. The, the, the breath of God, um, in, you, you recall in creation when uh, the, the account of creation and everything that He made... He spoke the word and this happened and that happened. 
But the creative breath of God as he breathed into man and man became a living soul reminds us again that today that breath is a wonderful thing, taking in breath. Someone, I I, I had to write this down because I I couldn't remember it exactly about how many breaths we take. I think it's around 20,000 breaths a day. Uh, I I think that's right. But... uh, uh, and, and so, again, I can't find in my notes, so it's just one of those things you're just going to have to take my word for today. So, or Google it and say, no, here, here it is. But I, I, I do know about how valuable and important that is. In fact, right where you're sitting, why don't you just take a few deep breaths here this morning? You know, there's uh, those people that try to calm us and talk about calming practices. That's what they tell you to do. But the challenge today is not so much to take in your breath, but in the same sense that I had you to do that, why don't you begin to think about taking in the breath of God and let him breathe life into you today. It's not any, sometimes as life happens, like the Apostle Peter said, don't think it's strange. Sometimes life comes crashing in. And, and so because it's not anything that we did wrong, it's probably not anything that we can do to fix it either other than just let God work. And so again, regardless of what you're going through this morning, just begin to breathe in the Lord. Take on His breath. I, I love uh, how the Scripture reminds us that, that, that while we were yet in our mother's womb, that He understood us, He knew us, He cared about us, yeah. and all of your limbs were fashioned uh, really according to His will. And so there's, there's something... Deep in the heart of God that cares about you. He, he loves you. What you're going through. He always loves us. But in times like this. I, I don't think that you can imagine fully. How much God is watching out for you. So today again. Just take in his presence. In the midst of the fire about you. You know uh, I, again as I shared with you. I've not ever been in a fire. I've, I've seen films. I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express a few months ago, but the the firemen, when they come in, the first thing they do is they administer oxygen. They they give you uh, as they before even they would cart you out. They they make sure that you have breath. So the most important thing that would that could go on in your life today, in your crisis, is not so much that God would fix it and change everything and put everything back right, but that you would sense His presence and you would begin to take in the Lord today. Don't, don't lose hope in Him. Yeah. Don't lose trust in Him today. Don't think, what's the use? Everything about me has failed and it's failing and it's falling. But today, take in the Lord, His goodness and His love. Yeah. I, I can't ever uh, help but when I think about the love of God to be emotional and how, why would He love me? But He does. He's shown that over and over and over again. Yeah. When I, when I think about the breath of God, there's a, an, another thing concerning his breath about how uh, the powerful it is. In the book of Acts, when, the, when the, the account is given about the coming of the Holy Spirit, and it said, and, and when the, the King James Version uses that, and it came in like a wind, that word wind is literally translated breath, like the breath of God. And so while, while I'm encouraging you to take in the goodness of the Lord... I do want to remind you that his breath is powerful, that it will take care of you. You can trust him. And so rather than 
trying to breathe on your own through this, take on his breath. There's another great scripture about the breath of God, and it comes to us when it talks about the inspiration of the word. It says and, and, uh, that, uh, that the literal translation of the word used there is that it is God-breathed. And you've probably heard that before, but the word of God is powerful, and, and God breathes us into you. And so today, as I shared when we were taking prayer requests, he's up to you. He's up to whatever's going on in your life. And we're getting ready to pray in just a few moments. Sister Lisa, if you would, would you come to the piano? And if you've been following with me today, I've been challenging us about when this life comes to an end, it'll be crystal clear what matters and what counts. But we can have that clarity today. You can have it right now. You can receive at the Lord's hand uh, uh, the ability to turn your life and to begin to give your focus to what really matters. There, there is indeed a lost world. There, there is a, in your world, there's a lost world. You have family members that are not saved. You, you have many people in your life that need to know about Jesus Christ. And I, I can't think of any greater crisis... Any greater thing that should motivate us than the need for people to know Jesus Christ. When I was sharing earlier about you had a death sentence on your life and you had 24 hours to live, I'm, I'm convinced that the first thing that you would do after that you examined your life in the presence of the Lord, that you'd be thinking about your near ones and your dear ones. And if you only had 24 hours left, that your focus, everything about your life, would it be to make sure that you're going to be able to see them again. That's the whole idea about finding purpose. The word that really matters is that only what you do for Jesus Christ matters. Would you bow your heads this morning? I'm going to pray over you. And then if there's anyone here today that would like the, the prayers of your church, we, we would love the privilege to gather around you and to pray with you. That's part of the wonderful makeup of what it is to be in the body of Christ and the church is that we are, we are in this together. We are knit together. And in, your, in the fires of your life, we, we want to be knit together with that and walk through this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for what I felt here today. Thank you for our worship, Lord. Such joyful worship here today. And I'm, I'm just overwhelmed, Lord, in, in times like these. That you show up and you show off. So I don't, I don't know what's going on in these lives. But I know you Lord. And today I'm believing you for miracles. I'm, I'm believing and trusting you today Lord. That you really are going to turn lives around. And shift our focus. And that we're going to have a heart full of worship. Lord and our, our primary directive in our life will be. Lord what can I do for you? Where would you have me to go? Who could I minister to in your name? But right now in the meantime, Lord, for the crisis of this church, Lord, for these families that are on the edge, Lord, that feel like that, oh, I have, I have nothing. But, Lord, we have you today, and you're sufficient. So I'm praying you make a way, Lord. I'm, I'm asking even today that you give them courage to come forward and ask the church for prayer. Pray with me. Stand with me. Surround me. Support me because I need the Lord's help. Bless us today, Lord. I make my decision, Lord. I'm standing today on your word and the power of your spirit to make a difference for these families, for these folks that are here today in Jesus' name. 
Will you stand with me, church? We're getting ready to pray for anyone today that would like to come forward and say, I need prayer, Brother Gary. I need help. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I need help, and I want the Lord to come through. If that's you today, would you step out in faith and come to the front of the church building that we might gather around you and pray with you in the love of the Lord? Praise the Lord. Is there anyone today that needs your church that you want to come and be prayed with and prayed over? Would there be anyone else that would like to join us this morning? And as you're coming, you're, you're, you're announcing several things. You're, you're announcing, first off, I need my church. But you're also announcing to the Lord, I believe, Lord, that you can take care of this. Anybody else want to come and stand before your church and the Lord here today? I'd like to ask some of our brothers to come and gather here this morning.